last week we began a brand new series. If you missed last week, you missed, uh, we started a brand new series looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And we walked through Galatians chapter 5, in which Paul gives us basically three ways that we can live. Three ways that we can live our lives, and two of them end very poorly. We can try, he says, to live by the law. We can try to win and impress God with the things that we can do. We can try and check off the list, all of the accomplishments that we have, and try and earn God's favor. And in doing so, ignore and minimize and neglect the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Or the second option is we can try and live by the works of the flesh, Paul says. Those decisions, decisions and choices that we make that at their core are selfish. These things, and if these things are habitually pursued, will keep a person from entering the kingdom of God. And so we said last week, either way, whether you are pursuing the law or pursuing works of the flesh, you are stuck with no hope. But then Paul gave us a third way to walk, and he said, walk by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit given to us. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak and guide your life. The way he, we, and the way that we can do that, the way that we can be more in step with the Spirit, is to be in Scripture regularly. Be in God's Word, getting the truth from God's Word. Be in regular communication, regular prayer with God. Be in community with other Christians also seeking to look to walk in the Spirit. And as we do that, as we walk in relationship to the Holy Spirit, we will see the Spirit produce in our lives fruit. It's nothing that we produce. It's nothing that we can do. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It is the Spirit's doing in our lives. It is the Spirit cultivating these things in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These things are universally seen and accepted as good fruit to bear. And while these are not an exhaustive list of what the Holy Spirit can and will do in our lives, like he's not just limited to these nine things, they are tangible representations that we can see in our lives. We actually said that the fruit of the Spirit is tangible evidence in the life of a Christian of God's love and the gospel's power. That was kind of our working definition and our working definition as we go through this series of what the fruit of the Spirit is. And so this morning, we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about the first of the fruit listed in Galatians 5, love. What is it? Why is it important? What does it look like in the life of a Christian? So that's where we're going this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we can jump in to Romans 5. So please bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day, God. We thank you for uh, another chance to gather together and worship you. Lord, we thank you for being the God who loves us. Because you are love, you are the very source of it. God, we thank you for being our dad, who we can come to to find protection and guidance and unconditional love and support. Lord, as we read your word and we consider love this morning, we do so with the knowledge of the way that you love us as your children. That love which motivated you to send your son to us, to die for us, that love which calls us to yourself, we thank you and we praise you for that love, God. And so, Lord, I pray that as I preach this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be glorifying to you. And we pray all of this because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. So we're going to pick it up in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 5. And you're actually going to start in the second half of verse 5 uh, with the word because. So it says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, 
though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what is love? For some of you, if you've been around CF for most of 2017, this should be, a lot of this is going to be some review for you because 1 John, the book that we spent most of the year in, talks a lot about love. He comes back to love over and over again. It's a major theme throughout the Bible. We are commanded to be a people, Christians are commanded to be a people marked by love. Love for God and love for people. The importance, love is so important, it's why Paul lists it first as he lists out the fruit of the Spirit. He says love is the first one. It is the most important of them because from it, because of love, you can experience joy and peace and patience and all the rest of those things come from love. Love is the starting point for all of the rest of the fruit of the Spirit. And as as is the case for most of the time when we're talking about love in the New Testament, we're not talking about romantic, ooey-gooey, gushy love. We're not talking about rom-com, go meet that person at the airport before they get on the plane to fly away forever kind of love, back when you could run up to the gate um, in those movies. How would they even do those movies now? I didn't even think of that. That's not the kind of love we're talking about. We're talking about a different kind of love. We're talking about a biblical, godly, Christian love. It is not based upon how you feel about a person in that moment, at that time. What we are talking about is a love that is unconditional. Love that is selfless and sacrificing. Love that begins and ends with God. The Bible uses the word agape in the Greek to describe this kind of love. God is the source of this kind of love. In chapter 5 of Romans, the verses before what we read this morning, Paul says in the beginning that we have been justified by our faith in Jesus. That for the person who has put their faith in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as the payment for their sins and the thing that can bring peace to their relationship with God, that person is justified. That, means, that word means made right. Their relationship with God has been made right. What was wrong, what was broken has been made right. Our rebellion against God in Christ is made right. We have a new relationship with God. We have been justified by this. And because of this justification, because of that, we can have hope, Paul says in Romans 5. Hope. We're not talking about a wishful kind of thinking, man, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. It's a Christian's hope is a confidence. It is an assurance of God's plan to make all things right, to bring all things back to himself. And so because of our justification, because our relationship with God has been made right, and our hope in God that he will redeem all things back to himself, Paul says in Romans 5 that Christians can rejoice. We can rejoice even in our suffering because we know that God is in control and will redeem all things back to himself. And then we get to verse 5 and we see that that hope, that confidence, comes from the fact that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit who was given to us at the day, at that time, at that moment when we accept Christ's sacrifice. We receive the Holy Spirit. And our hope, our justification, our confidence, our ability to love, all of that comes back and is grounded in God's love for us. We learned in 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He is the very source of, of love. God is love, but do not try to flip that around because love is God doesn't work. God is love, that makes sense. He is the essence of it. He is the, he is the source of it, but love is God, that doesn't work the same way. 
because it is possible to take something good like practicing godly love, like practicing self-sacrificing love, and to make it an idol. We can get so caught up in trying to show love to other people, we can get so caught up in trying to serve and care for other people that we forget where our ability, our ability to love in this way even comes from, which is God. Or while we are showing love to others, we can get so puffed up by their response, we can get so puffed up by their gratitude, or even just in our own heads, stroke our own egos about how great we are at sacrificing for other people, that we again forget to give glory to God. That's why I said agape love begins and ends with him. He is the source of it. He is the one who pours it into us. He is the one who loved us first. He is the one who gives us the ability to love like he does. And at the end, it is for his glory that we do so. It is for his honor that we show love. Love begins and ends with God. And we see in verse 6 and 7 in Romans that love is unconditional. He says in verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Love is unconditional. Love seeks the goodwill of another person. It is motivated to bring good to whoever the object of love is, regardless of what they can do for you in return. Love is unconditional. It is not concerned with the nature of the object of love. It is not preoccupied with what it gets in return. Love is unconditional. Paul says here that we were weak and ungodly. He says weak, without strength, feeble, sickly, helpless. We were ungodly, having no respect or awe or care for who God is and what he has done. Skip down to verse 8, and he says that we are sinners. The word sin means to miss the mark. God's mark of perfection. We miss it over and over again. We rebel against God. And skip down to verse 10. He says we are enemies, rebels at war with God. This is who we are. And despite all of these things, despite who we are in our very nature, God sent his son to die for us. Though we be undeserving, ill-deserving, hell-deserving people, God's love is unconditional. I've used this quote a couple of times before, but it's so good that it bears repeating. Pastor Tim Keller once said, The gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And the only reason we can be loved and accepted is because God's love is unconditional, because we can do nothing to earn or win God's favor. God's love, agape love, the love we are called to show to one another, to the world, is unconditional. It has no need for reciprocity, and it seeks no thanks. Because agape, and so because agape love is unconditional, it's also unrelenting. It does not quit. It is not based on how many times a person hurts you because it is not based on the circumstances. It is based solely on the fact that that other person, that person you are showing love to, is an image bearer of God, has the imago Dei, the image of God, built into them. God created them just as he created you, and that in itself makes them valuable. They are an image bearer of God just like you are. And there are times when it's a lot easier to show love than others, right? When everyone is being respectful and appropriate and considerate, 
It's real easy to show love. I got this. I can do this all day. But when that same person becomes disrespectful, rude, when the situation changes, when everything is hard, when that person is just hard to even be in the same room with, it's in that moment that agape love continues because it is unrelenting. It is unconditional. Now hear me say this, that I'm not saying that you need to like seek out abusive relationships or you need to stay in abusive relationships, okay? You can love someone and still protect yourself. You can love someone and still separate yourself from people. We said a few weeks ago, the most loving thing you can do for another person is to pray for them. Because a Christian has access to God the Father that non-Christians don't. And so that's one of the most loving things you can do for another person is to pray for them. You can pray for them that the Holy Spirit would move in them, for them to experience the same grace and love that you have experienced. So I'm not saying stay in an abusive relationship and just try to keep loving them because that's what you're called to do. You can protect yourself and still love another person. But agape love is unconditional. It is unrelenting. And we see in verse 8, agape love is selfless and sacrificing. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is selfless and sacrificing. That means it's an action. It's a decision. It's a choice. It's being mindful, being intentional to think of how another person is going to be affected by your actions. To consider their needs, their wants, their good ahead of your own. You see, because agape love is selfless and sacrificing, Jesus allowed himself to be betrayed, abandoned, and denied by those he called his closest friends. Because agape love is selfless and sacrificing, Jesus was beaten to a bloody pulp, whipped and spit on, had a crown of thorns jammed into his skull. Because agape love is selfless and sacrificing, Jesus had nails go through his hands and feet, and he hung on a cross, publicly humiliated and ridiculed until he died. Because agape love is selfless and sacrificing. Now, some of you are going to hear that. Some of us hear that. I hear that. And I think that is too big. That is too big of a responsibility. That is too heavy of a weight to carry, too big of a burden to try and pursue this kind of love. But I only encourage you this morning that God will not call you to something and then leave you hanging. He will not call you to something and then say, go figure it out. God will always equip you for what he has called you to do. God will always equip you. Because remember, love starts with God. God is love. He has shown us Those of you who are Christians, you have experienced, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. He has shown you this is what love looks like. This is what true love does. And he has given you the Holy Spirit to cultivate in you this ability to love so that you can replicate it to the world. He will not leave you on your own in this because this is the fruit of the Spirit. He is the one who is going to grow that in you. He is the one who is going to grow the fruit of love in you. But we said last week, that only happens if you are walking in the Spirit. It only happens when we are pursuing a relationship with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, making those choices to listen to Him. It's when we are making the choices to get into the Word and absorb the truth and love that it has for us. 
It's when we make the choice to be in regular communication, be in prayer with God on a regular basis. When we are making the choice to being in community with other Christians who are also being pursuing, being led by the Spirit. So we've talked about fruit of the Spirit. I want you to think of a garden, okay? Think of a garden, and you got, you got your plants, your veggies, your herbs. You can't make things grow on your own, right? I can't go and, you know, take the flower and stretch it out and make it bloom on my own. I, I can't do that. Right? We only have so much control when we plant something in the ground. It's a reason that I killed the lavender plant over on the porch. Because I can't make things grow. I can apparently kill them, though. What you do with a garden is you provide the environment for things to grow. It's not about you. It's about providing the right environment for that plant, for that fruit, for whatever it is you're growing to grow. Walking by the Spirit is providing the environment to grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life. In Galatians 5.24, it's the verse that comes right after where Paul lists out the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So when you have your garden and you're growing your fruit, your veggies, your herbs, whatever it is, over time you're going to see little weeds pop up, right? And so we go out, we go out to our garden, and we grab that weed and we pull it out. And we pull out all the other ones. And now our garden looks good again. Everything looks nice, everything looks fine. But what happens in a couple of weeks? If you didn't get that weed at the root, that weed's going to come right back up. See, we can do things temporarily to make everything look good, to make it seem like we are pursuing, uh, we are pursuing walking with the Spirit. We can do things temporarily to say, yep, I'm not going to envy anymore. Done. I'm going to walk by the Spirit. But unless we get to the root, unless we actually pull those things out, as Paul says, crucify those things, they're just going to keep popping back up. That's what Christ has done for us. In Christ dying and coming back from the dead, he makes it possible to pull the weeds out from their roots, to give the Holy Spirit room to grow, to give the Holy Spirit room to cultivate these things in us. But we have to be willing to get rid of the things that are going to choke out the fruit of love in us. We have to be willing to look at our lives and say, what is it about me? What is it that's holding me back from really seeing the fruit of love grow in my life? And how do we even know what the status of the fruit of love in our lives looks like? How do we even know this? Paul gives us a list in 1 Corinthians 13 in a passage that everyone's heard a thousand times at a thousand different weddings. And we think of that passage, right? We think of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, and some of you here who are married maybe even had this passage read at your wedding. And we think about it as this beautiful, romantic way of expressing love to one another. And it is. But that word love, that, that's agape love. That's not, it's not romantic. Paul is saying this is, this is how you're supposed to love one another. This is how you're supposed to love God. It's the way God loves you. That agape love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the Spirit, with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So how do you know the status of the fruit of love in your life? Are you loving like this? 
Does your life and the way that you care for other people, the way you interact with the people around you, does it look like this? What weeds need to be pulled out of your spiritual garden so that love can flourish? Are you patient and kind? Or do you see that envy and boasting and arrogance in you? Do you insist on your own way? Are you irritable and resentful? Because if you see these things in your life, you need to get to the root. You need to get under the, under the surface. You need to get down to the root to figure out where is this coming from? And we need to crucify these things, is what Paul said. We need to put these things to death. We need to completely get rid of them so that the fruit of love can flourish in us. So that we can see, I said at the beginning, I don't think it's a coincidence that Paul gives us love at the very beginning of this list because agape love is this tangible evidence in our life, of, of, in the life of a Christian, of God's love and the gospel's power. That's what it is. It's evidence of God's love in our lives because it finds its root in God because love begins with him. And it is the result, the result of us loving one another. The result is to bring glory to God. The way we love and care for other people will bring glory to God. It ends with him as well. We only know how to love because he first loved us. And it is evidence of the gospel's power in our lives because in the gospel we see the unconditional, selfless, sacrificing action of Christ at the cross to forgive us and justify us even when we didn't deserve it. He did that for us because of love. It is because of love that your sins have been forgiven. And so if you are willing to be led by the Holy Spirit, he will cultivate this in you. He will cultivate in you a love that begins and ends with God. He will cultivate in you a love that is unconditional and unrelenting, a love that is selfless and sacrificing, the same kind of love that God has for you, that you can have that for others. If we are willing to walk by the Spirit, He will, it is inevitable that He will cultivate the fruit of love in your life. Are you willing to let Him do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for another day. God, we thank you for the breath in our lungs. We thank you for sunshine. God, we thank you for color and for fun and for laughter and music. We thank you. God, there's so many different ways we could spend all day, all week, just thanking you for the ways that you provide for us, the way that you care for us, the way that you show love to us. God, we thank you today on Father's Day for being our dad, for being the one that we can run to, for being the one who will protect us, for being the one that shows us, who models for us. This is what love looks like. God, help us to be people that are marked by that same kind of love. Help us to be a people known as those who love and love deeply, and love really and truly. People who love unconditionally. People who love and will put it in action through the way that we live. We are willing to sacrifice. We are willing to put another person's needs ahead of our own because you put our needs ahead of your son's needs. Jesus came and died for us even when it didn't make sense for him to, even when it was detrimental to him he knew what was coming and he still says your will be done because you love us, because he loves us. 
God, help us to love well. Lord, help us to find the weeds in our garden that are choking out the fruit of love. God, bring it, bring it to light in our lives and help us to do the work of getting to the root of those things and pulling them out. Help us to get to the root of those things so that we can see the fruit of love flourish in our lives. God, we thank you for who you are and what you have done. and We pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. As we continue on in worship now, we're going to have a... a